Welcome on in everyone to another episode of Side of the Storm. My name is Evan Wesling, and as always, I am joined alongside my co-host, Mr. Brandon Ness, as we are here to have one of the more painful episodes that we've had to do in year number one, as we are reacting to Iowa State's loss versus Pitt, um, and also Iowa State's loss versus Toledo. Um, it was a double upset weekend, and David Carr could not win um, the third matchup and got runner-up. So it was a pretty um, poor weekend for Cyclones. But before we dive into all that, um, checking in on my man Brandon, how are you, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, not great. <laughs> a rough weekend, and now school's back in session this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven weeks to go, and then I'll be better, but... Yeah, man, that was top 10 worst weekends as a Cyclone fan. Yeah. Uh it's upset is never being upset is never fun, but it is definitely a difference in terms of when your team is at least in the tournament because it does make it more exciting. Um but to see both the men and women get upset and, you know, David Carr um got runner up. It was not 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 a whole lot of fun. No, and there was a couple positive things to take out of the wrestling tournament. They actually did fairly well. Had their best team score in a while, but obviously Carr is the headliner, and he'll be back, so expect big things out of him next year again. It'll be him and O'Toole again. <laughs> yeah, that was a battle. He, he was never really in the thing. O'Toole really just took it to him, and that was bizarre to see. You rarely see him not even get a takedown in a match. Yeah. Um, but we will go ahead and start it off with probably the game that most people are here for. Um, so we'll do Pitt. Um, I think if you guys did listen to our episode when we you know, just kind of discussed our March Madness preview, we said Iowa State was either going to get out of the first weekend, or the, Iowa State was either going to make it to Sweet 16 or they weren't getting out of the first day. I mean, that's that's what we said. And... You know, considering how Xavier played today, that may have been wrong. Um, I mean, granted, I don't think Pitt plays great defense, um, but Xavier looked pretty good today. But that—that's not the point. Um, kind of what we predicted in terms of there was really two results: um, either Iowa State was going to lose Pitt, or, in our opinion, Iowa State was going to have a matchup versus Texas and Kansas City. What would be this upcoming weekend? Yeah, and. You know, nobody was really expecting this poor performance going in. I think everybody kind of wanted Pitt just because of their defense. And, I mean, I don't even think it was that great of a defensive performance. There's a, there's a analytics, I don't even want to say company. There's people that do analytics called shot quality. I don't know if you've seen them at all. And basically we took better shots. We should have won by 20. They just weren't falling. Yeah, they talked about it on Williams and Bloom. I listened to my drive up back to Ames, but they were saying that like Iowa State would win about like seventy nine percent of the time based off the quality shots they took. Yeah. It's not like we were even playing bad. It's just they were not gonna fall. We basically had three games like this all year, and this just happened to be yeah. So I and it know. sucked that it happened when it's on a national stage and everyone was watching. I mean, this is you know very similar to the Iowa game, and um, yeah, I mean, it it was a stinker, and I think the thing that was the reason it was so frustrating was because the Iowa State defense was elite. I mean, they played incredible. Yeah, defensively. They, defensively, they played awesome. They 
really outside of the first 10 minutes, the team played fairly well. Yeah. It's just, it looked like Pitt played three days ago and Iowa State had a week off and were rusty. Yeah. And then the other 30 minutes of the game, it was pretty much, had. I would guess it's pretty even score-wise. It's just you were down 22-2 to two, like we've seen against Iowa and UConn earlier on. So it's when you dig a hole that big and you're not a team that can score in flashes, you kind of dig your grave at a early point in the game and at the 10 minutes under timeout, you're pretty much already out of the game, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that it's just super weird about this game was we all know Iowa State, you know, isn't a great offensive team. That's nothing new. That's not surprising. But it was way, way worse, obviously, than it's just a very it's it's such an outlier for even their offense because it was I mean it wasn't terrible looks. I mean there's plenty of times early second half Gabe had like three or four open looks. Jaron had a couple, I think, jazz every now and then. Like there were open three balls and just could not knock them down. And I think the difference that that you saw even in Kansas City or late in the season or just the entire season was when those were wide open and those were like momentum shots, they just always fell. Yeah. Like the entire season they always fell for Iowa State and for whatever reason could not get one to fall ever. Um, I mean, Gabe hit one late first half. That was a part of that momentum swing. But then he couldn't cash in the rest of the day. Jaron couldn't hit any. It, it, I mean, Jazz was passing them off. Um, granted, I don't – I mean, he took four. But um, it, it was just it, – it was tough. I mean, in a weird way, though, it, I mean, once Iowa State got it to five, Pitt looked rattled, and it was kind of, okay, Iowa State's offense woke up. And their defense has been great outside of the first couple minutes of the game. And that was just a rusting, as Brandon noted. It was you know, this pit played a few days ago. Obviously, they hadn't played in a week. Yep. And so that was the only difference. But, like, Pitt looked rattled, and it was 100% looking up. And that's kind of why, like, early second half, you were like, when you see these looks from Gabe, like, when the ball was in the air, like, in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, it's going in. Because Iowa State had been making those shots. Gabe had been making those shots. It was just a complete outlier for this Iowa State team. Yep, and like I mentioned, it's just basically these three outliers, and you just caught it at the wrong time, and you knew it was possible. Um, One crazy stat is we made just as many field goals as Pitt did, which is just crazy because it seems like we're missing anything, but I think it was really just kind of a confidence thing after the 10-minute mark at a certain point after you miss your first, whatever it was, 12 threes. Yeah, you're kind of just hoping they go in, and instead of expecting it to go in, like you saw in the Baylor game, and I mean, it's a tough performance to end the year on, but I think overall it was a over exceeding expectations. Oh, no so doubt. It's, it, it's kind of a conversation at this point when you're looking back on the season of how much do you value the tournament over the regular season? It's one game versus thirty whatever we played, so it. it I mean, your opinion's your own. I think it was a fairly good season. You had three back-to-back-to-back top ten wins at home, and you beat your two biggest rivals this year, I would say, with Kansas and Texas, most meaningful in the ways. So I, I think even K-State was yeah, up there. Yeah, right. And you had a great win on the road. You had looked like you got momentum back, and you just kind of ended up on the dud, and 
now it's just kind of looking forward to you get back and all of that. Honestly, this time of year when you're looking at free agency, which is basically what it is at this point, yeah. is you get to restructure a team. Where were you deficient this year? As you've seen in the last game, this 41-point performance makes it pretty much shift. You've got to go completely offense, and you got to get some 3 and D guys, and that's kind of where we're missing this game. Yeah, and I think the other thing I wanted to talk about real quick in terms of the game itself, I mean, it was just Pitt had um, 43 of their 59 from the free throw line and three-point line combined. I mean, they went 25 of 29 from the charity stripe. And that that has been a big thing for Iowa State all year is they just fouled too much. And that, I mean, today was one of those days. And 25 of 29, and even in the first half, half their points were, I think, I don't I, half their lines were from the free throw line alone. But then I think they had only made, like, I want to say they got six points on the floor outside of the three-point line and the free throw line in the first half. So 24 of the 30, or however much, I think they had 30. And, yeah, they did. And so, I mean, Iowa State, I mean, they, they gave up some of those three early on, but they just fouled them, and, you know, they gave them the free throws, and they were knocking them down. And that was another thing. Again, Iowa State missing free throws. It, not that it was really shocking, but that it, you know, it, that, that's just what happened all day long. Couldn't. I mean, they finally call Hinson on a flop. Gabe misses the tech. I mean, I think Trey missed a front end. Unfortunately, Burt was not in his bag. And went over over three. I guess he technically wasn't. You don't bag. expect him to make. No, 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 no. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I mean, I would say didn't really have that many attempts, and it was kind of. I mean, it was a credit to Pitt because their game plan for Iowa State was really good, especially when Iowa State couldn't make any outside shots. They just put up a wall and was like, "Okay, shoot it over top of us. We're not going to let you go inside." And so credit to them because Shun and Bert were uncomfortable. Trey couldn't really get anything going down low for the most part, and Gabe and Jaron couldn't knock. Gabe, Jaron, Jazz just could knock down, couldn't knock down shots. And when you kind of put up a wall inside, that also takes Taman out of the game, takes Damarian out of the game, um, and the bigs weren't comfortable enough to match the physicality down low. And it's not that Pitt really has any big guys. Henson's their biggest guy. They have some really tall guys, yeah, but two it, of them. yeah, the twins. And I mean, Federico, Federico didn't really play that much, so it was just kind of like it's it's weird that that they got out physical, especially because we had been preaching on how much we were appreciative of Bert's physicality down the stretch and why we were okay with that switch at the starting lineup and even Trey. But I mean, Shun's been a lost cause over the last month, so that wasn't really that shocking, I guess, for me personally. I don't know about you, but it, it, just the bigs were super uncomfortable down low, and I think that was the that was the difference. If Iowa State could have been physical down low to match that, it's a completely different ball game because obviously you weren't knocking down shots more uncharacteristically than normal. But if you could have gotten stuff down in the paint, it's it's would have been much easier to come back. Where Iowa State was settling for too many contested jumpers, and they just they couldn't not find anything. And I think that's that's the problem when you can't knock down shots and you're trying to come back down twenty. Right? It's when you aren't able to work down in the paint, and that's that's kind of been Iowa State's thing. You know, there's nights where they can knock it down outside, but if they can't get work in the paint, they are screwed. Yep. I mean, I think we were coming off of our best center performances Yo. in Kansas City. Yeah. And then you combine Robert Jones with zero points, Hassan Ward with zero points, Oshun with one. From the line, yeah. And however many he shot, three field goals, so 
and none of those were hard looks. It's just missed layups, a lot of missed layups, a lot of missed floaters. Yeah. Trey King played one of his better games, I thought. He's the only reason they were within 30 of Pitt, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Gavin Jern has 12, but they weren't they weren't good. They're high-volume guys, though. I mean, 4 of 14, 6 of 17. Yeah. That's not a good performance. Trey King, 2 of 5, but and a bunch of free throws yeah. that he actually made. One of the only guys. So I think you can kind of tell the direction this is going in the future. It's kind of a shift of styles, I think, is what's coming with the recruiting classes and some of the fan frustrations, I guess I could say. I don't know. You've been successful because you've had to with the set of guys you've had, and you've been successful. You've got to the tournament two years in a row with a bunch of guys that realistically shouldn't be Power 5 players. I mean, you're playing with two guys from the A-10 VCU, they're they in the A-10? Yeah. yeah, so three, you're playing with really two freshmen that played, a guy from the Summit League, um, a guy from Washington State, a guy from Minnesota. You know, last year it was a guy from Penn State, St. Bonnie, freshman, Trey Jackson, Tristan Anaruna. Like, it, it was just like, in no way should either of these two rosters really, should they have made the tournament? No, absolutely not. And I think this is something that even we talked about I mean, and we're just playing, I guess, a hypothetical game right now, but just imagine the difference if A.J. Green's there or if there wasn't a problem with Caleb. I mean, that that's also a different situation mm-hmm. uh, because how much would it have helped to have him against Pitt, right? I mean, in a game that you can't knock shots outside, Caleb would have hit at least two. I can guarantee that. This is a very I, similar game to the Texas Tech game on the road. When yeah. nothing was going besides Caleb made eight threes. Yeah, and and I'm and I'm not sitting here saying, oh my god, this was the, that was the wrong move not to make Caleb because we needed him. No, it clearly if you saw what happened at Baylor and in Kansas City, yeah, it was the right move, and it's what it's what the locker room needed. I'm not saying that it shouldn't have happened. I'm just making a point that had he been here and there was there was no issue. Like my my what I'm bringing to you guys right now is. If there was zero issue with Caleb Grill, then this is a different game, right? Because he is there because he didn't cause any problems. And he would have hit the shots that Iowa State needed to kind of make the spark and close the gap. And so that's the only thing I have to say. But, right, if you have AJ and Caleb, like, you have those guys that you can count on as bucket getters because I think we've said this so long when, you know, Iowa State loses Jeremiah early on and then you, you lose Caleb. They had three guards and they're all starting, and one of them just really isn't an offensive guy right now. Uh, he can certainly grow. So you're counting on Gabe and Jaron, and, I mean, we've said if those two guys aren't on, Iowa State's not going to be able to win games. Yeah, when you look back on this year, to year, it's only honestly kind of surprising how many injuries or dismissals they've had. It's kind of the same thing. I mean, Jeremiah going in, I thought he was going to be the leading scorer. Yeah. Not by a wide margin. He's another guy that can average 12 like you see with Jaron and Gabe. But that could have made the difference in this game. Mm -hmm. You lose Caleb at the end of the year. You lose Jazz. I mean, really, Jazz, I mean, since his injury from his finger once he came back from that, he had a good performance for his TCU, and I think he played good versus, like, Oklahoma State maybe. But, like, he had, like, two good performances, and he just wasn't the Jazz that we loved. I mean, he couldn't knock down shots. I mean, how many – I can't remember what games it was specifically, but 
I think the West Virginia was the worst game because he had about three times to take the roof off and bust it open to ten, and just couldn't make. And they were open threes, and yeah. those like those are the ones that Jazz makes, and he just wasn't himself down the stretch. So I don't know if it was like the finger was like affecting him a lot down the stretch or what, but. Yeah, I mean, like as, adding on to that list, right? I mean, Jazz was a completely different player, even though he came back from it. Yeah, and even when Caleb was there before he got dismissed, once the back happened, he's he was such a different player. And even Shun was in a knee brace all year. Yeah, I mean, the last month he was non-existent, and I mean, it, yeah, completely non-existent. Yep. So I don't know. Yeah. Overall. This game, I, I don't want to say it wasn't surprising, but you knew you had this team in them that could lay an egg just because they don't have a Brockington that can go create his own shot, and that's the number one piece you need to get this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think, without a doubt, the big it'll be interesting to see kind of how they treat the lineup. I, You know, you, you can't would... rely on freshmen, so it's you kind of got to go get something, and you need, yeah. as old as college basketball is, is right now, you need a guy... Even, like, I'd love to get a Burt back just because you need somebody down there with Omaha yeah. to teach them how things and work. And the other thing, too, is, I mean, Omaha definitely does play physical, but right now, body-wise, he's not there. Oh, you need, you need somebody above 200 pounds. Yeah, and so, like, again, I, I love what Hassan has brought to this team. I, I think we both sat here asking for so long why he didn't, wasn't getting minutes, and then he comes in against KC specifically was that Baylor game was his complete like what like this is what what me and Brandon have been saying for so long and then like after a while we just kind of dropped the narrative because we thought he was just done and he's a better offensive player than I thought he was he has a decent floater game he can do something in the post which we didn't see and obviously the thing he's best at is rim running and I think he honestly is a better fit next season for that team what we think anyway stylistically of a faster paced not 350th in the country in tempo he's a guy that can actually run up and down the floor which you don't really see with Burt but you still kind of need that guy so you hope to get one of those two guys back plus Trey King yeah Trey King I think is the huge one he uh, can be really good yeah especially I feel like this this entire season until like the last stretch until it really got put in the starting lineup was just trying to break his rust off yeah. and it didn't help when he was getting really low minutes um, but he kind of got thrust in that starting lineup and it was a complete difference maker for him um, but yeah he, he's a big one and we don't we're not going to discuss lineups right now um, for next year um, entirely but I guess we can like semi talk about it and all those three guys we just mentioned have already transferred so they don't necessarily have that one year transfer for free the NCAA usually gives it out but it's not a guarantee so they can't just hop in the portal and hope to go somewhere else yeah um, and it's it's just kind of it depends how you want to use your fifth year I mean wards I think for Burton Trey it should be pretty easy if I'm them Ward, I'm not sure because of the kind of treatment he got until the end of the year. Like, for him, I'm I'm not sure. Like, he's my only question mark. I would kind of be surprised if Burt and Trey don't come back. Yeah. Unless, like, they're just done playing college basketball entirely. Like, that's the only difference for them. They're either going to be in an Iowa State uniform or they're probably not playing college basketball again. That that that's, that's my opinion, at least. I don't know about you. And, um, unless it's, like, unless it's, like, a money thing, right? Yeah, somewhere Hassan can definitely play overseas. Burt probably can, and I don't know. I think they're both kind of limited right now. 
what they can do on a power five roster. So they would have to go down a level, which I don't know if you want to do late in your career. No, I I think it. I think it's kind of if it's your fifth year, do you want to end it kind of being having better stats, or do you want to go to an NCAA tournament again and possibly get something in Kansas City? Yeah. I mean that's just like my difference. I think like you know Jaron had probably. I mean, I don't know his exact stats. I know, like, Shun definitely took a step down. Um, but, like, like Jaron and – yeah, ask both those guys. Like, would they rather still be at St. Bonnie? And even though it sucked to be a one-and-done in the NCAA tournament, I'm sure ending at, on the biggest stage, getting to experience a real environment, no disrespect to St. Bonnie, but, like, experiencing Hill Magic in the Big 12 and going to Kansas City, going to an NCAA tournament, and theirs was even in the COVID era – the COVID tournament. So like ask, ask those two guys if, if that's how they wanted to end their, their college basketball careers, I guarantee you they would say, yeah, I'll do it a hundred times out of a hundred times. Yep. And I, it's not even necessarily just the tournament. It's playing in front of 14,000 every single game. Yeah. And it's playing in the big 12, the best conference in America. And it's only going to get better next year when you got Houston, another team that's going to bully you up and down the floor. At least we have semi a few, deep breaths we think hopefully <laughs> um byu i think for sure and we get the luxury maybe oh you don't want to go to provo no matter <laughs> what that is never a <laughs> gimme um but no i guess the last thing we'll say on behalf of the guys i'm sure we'll kind of touch on it a little bit more at the end but i guess we'll kind of hint at it now and finish off with it later but i'll be curious to see I mean, the big thing is finding those shooting guards that can be a bucket getter especially from outside right now that's what you gotta look at in the portal, um, but I don't know how much how well like Jeremiah and Taman work together on the floor. They're very similar. I don't know how much if Jeremiah can be a two, so that's something to be interested. He's They're, six five, so he can defend at least. I don't think he's not like a natural point guard. He's a more of a scoring guard. I think he had to play point at Temple just because of their lineup. I think he'll definitely play that, too. So it's just finding the depth at that two and three because you're kind of loaded at the four right now if nothing changes. And five, you're probably just going to look at a grad transfer five and then hopefully get one of the two guys back. Yeah, but we'll we'll touch on more of roster and transfer portal at the end. We're going to switch real quick, give our due diligence uh, to the women. Um, obviously, um, they got upset as well, I think, they got screwed in many ways. Uh, I think they should have been a host. And and we talked about this on that episode, the March Madness preview. Um, I, I just, they were at, you know, going into the NCAA tournament, they were playing like a top 16 team in the country. And I think if you're the women's game, having that, what, what would have been a really good showing and a good crowd in the Iowa State crowd, I think that's something you should have taken advantage of just for the fact of your game. Um, But whatever. Um, I also think Toledo was underseeded. I mean, they've only lost four games, and their guards were really good. (laughs) And and this was really good because, again, I, I have this very fresh in my mind in terms of Williams and Bloom, but the big thing they touched on is, you know, had Toledo been matched up against a Texas, it's they're gonna get smoked because they don't have the size to match with them. The the big thing with Iowa State once Suarez went down, they didn't have his size down low, and so it it like this is perfect for Toledo because it's just like okay, we just gotta make more shots than them. We're not gonna have to worry about down low. 
They have their one big that it's basically the same size as Morgan Kane, yeah. probably actually a little bit bigger. But it's just okay. We got to hit more shots than them, and we'll be fine. And that was that, that's 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 what that was. Yeah, it, I think this is gonna go down as probably the one of the biggest what if seasons in women's history, anyways. Just because Suarez takes you over the top, and you can beat any team in the Big Twelve, whereas with Morgan Kane, you're kind of limited. Yeah. And the team as a whole does not have that much athleticism, and the offense does not work against teams like Toledo, teams like Texas, teams like Baylor, and we refuse to switch it. I'm not sure why not, but passing around the perimeter and cutting when you don't have the speed or quickness advantage does not work, and then you're kind of just left with Ashley Jones to take a step back three, which doesn't work until late in the game once she gets hot. Yeah. It's kind of a frustrating team to watch when they get matched up against a team like we saw with Toledo, and you're just kind of hoping they stay cold as well, but it didn't happen. They got out to a really big lead. I want to say 16 or 17 points. Yeah. So uh, hopefully you get Suarez back next year and you still have a lot of pieces and it's just trying to fill a massive scoring hole Yeah. with Ashley Jones. And I think they have girls that can fill that role. Danae Fritz is going to be really good, I think. She's the only one that's really taken a step up this year, I feel like. Donarski kind of is what it is she's the only person that really looks to drive what you need on the team and then Emily Ryan is a shooter from the outside but is somewhat limited when you go amongst the trees yeah um they definitely have very big project piece that I'll be curious to see how they deal with crooks she's not playing for two years no um I think another interesting one again I don't know how she'll translate um Ohio State just there's a difference but Ariana Jackson she's from Roosevelt we've had the opportunity to watch her many of times we, we I think she's really good um also a McDonald's All-American in the class yeah um so it's not on the downhill by any means it's just sucks for Ashley for an incredible career to end on a on, on a on 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 an upset that that's just the big thing. The one thing I will say, um, this you know this does suck, and I think it sucks for her, um, and even Morgan Kane that it's you know their last game right is this one. But I think at the end of the day, the thing that they've been dying to get was a Big Twelve title, and they got that. So the upset sucked, but they got the thing they they've been. They, they've been trying to get for so long because again I think this is something you have to continue to tell yourself and you know this kind of relays back to Brandon about what he had said earlier in terms of how you view the season you can certainly um, you know everyone has their own opinions right but only one team walks away happy at the end of the year one and you know, the nice thing, you know, for college basketball compared to college football, there is an actual chance, a better chance that it's uh, Iowa State could win a national title basketball-wise. No, but bat, bat, for the men. Yeah. Like, there is a better chance they could actually go on and win a national title. Like, that is a better possibility and a better chance of that actually happening. Yeah. But what I think for me is always the highlight, if it happens, is going and winning in Kansas City. And the women, for certain, I think that's that's their like that's the best they can do. Maybe they could go on 
maybe they could have, you know, Brandon talked about a big what if, like maybe they could have made pulled up a couple upsets and gotten to a final four and that's obviously cool and you know it'd suck to get there and not win a national title but then again you're still winning a whole region and that within itself is huge so you know that could have happened but I think when in terms of like when you look at seasons like only one team goes home happy and so winning in Kansas City for for me personally is always the goal for me like that and I know there's the whole thing of you can depending how you look at it some people don't really like Kansas City cuz you can come out flat in Mar in the in March madness but for me like I'm never expecting an Iowa State to win a national championship right but what I would what I hope for is to go in Kansas City and put on a run so for me personally that's kind of like the big thing and then to completely like come back to what Brandon had said earlier Ots won a game in Kansas City and he brought two teams to the NCAA tournament that neither of them probably should have made the NCAA tournament. And he's 2-2 two and two in the NCAA tournament with a style of basketball that he's not really used to and a team that is not really his fit right now. <laughs> and so when you're looking at a guy who took a, one of these teams that was the worser of the teams to a Sweet 16, the granted Isaiah helped out a lot. Because he really bailed them out when they needed, but I I just think for me personally it's like sucks that it ended on a dud, but I mean we've been saying this the talent's coming and I don't know how many times we have to say this TJ's not a defensive guy. <laughs> I mean look at his stint in South Dakota State and tell me he's a defensive guy. He can do either, which is what makes him a really good coach. Yeah. Because he's I, been top 10 in defense two years in a row, so I don't want to say he's not a defensive guy. I think his preference is to be that style of top 50 offensive efficiency, but he also had a guy in Mike Dom that could do that. He didn't have that with the last two teams. I don't think he's going to have it next year. It'll be a couple years still, even if somebody like Milan does reach their full ceiling, which is a big if because you never know with freshmen. Eli King was the guy I thought was probably going to be the biggest influencer this year, and he sat on the bench the whole year. So you never really know. It's just fitting the dynamic of the team you have, and he's done that really well at every single stop. I think UNLV was interesting just because of the guys you typically see there. You never know what you're getting out of them character-wise. You can see that. He has a strong culture built here. You see that with Caleb late in the season. Mm Mm-hmm you don't slack off you're gonna play the way he tells you to and that's what makes him so successful yeah um but yeah i mean it'll certainly be uh, interesting to see what happens and i i I don't i think iowa state's gonna figure out the offense i think after the last two seasons they can certainly reevaluate they're going to reevaluate and they're gonna they mean it's very clear to them what what the issue is and so like i have no problem that they're gonna figure it out there are a couple shooting guards away from being a top three team in the Big 12. If you had a guy like Brockington or Shayok even this on year, this team, yeah. that takes him to a whole other level, and then I still think you're probably a meaningful big short of or, hey, doing anything, I mean, but I mean, if like if we want to get like to the closest thing possible, if with AJ Green, this team is so different. And for a while, we we like we thought he was going to come I, here. Yeah. And so you talk about how different this team was if AJ came here. 
and Jeremiah doesn't get hurt? I mean, I guess I know we're playing the hypotheticals, but you talk about what this team looks like when, if both those guys are here. They're, they probably do end up on the three line, three, four line. They probably get up there. It's just that guy that can hit a shot down the stretch in games. You're missing that guy with this team, honestly. And, yeah, I don't know. It, it is hypothetical, but you look at the last year, roster-wise, this team didn't really catch a break at all. Because you get Tyrese, he's a good playmaker, like him or not. He would do big things here in the second year, more than he's doing at Texas right now. You get Brockington back for another year, that's an automatic 20-point-per-game guy. Same with AJ. If you get Jeremiah in here for a year, he's probably 12 to 14 points a game. Yeah, and again, if you know if Tyrese stays and you get AJ and maybe Isaiah stays, you're probably not getting the Bonaventure boys. Which is fine. Oshun was yeah. a major disappointment. Yeah. He didn't do anything. I don't know how he won Defensive Player of the Year in that conference. He's the <laughs> laziest five I've ever seen. Didn't rebound, just cared about offense, kind of had butterfingers. And I don't want to throw hate. I, I've, I mean, I, you know... Again, we'll see how Jeremiah works out. I, I personally love Jaron. I just I loved his energy, so that'd be kind of the one he I would. He seemed like he enjoyed being here, too. Yeah. Where oh. some other guys didn't. Yeah. You can tell when they're how they interact with the crowd. You can tell whether they're enjoying being here or if they're just looking for minutes and looking to go on to the next level. And he seemed like a guy. He's in his fifth year of college. This is it for him, pretty much. He'll go play overseas somewhere, but this is the best environment he's going to play in probably for the rest of his career. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess the thing to end it on completely is just Iowa State's with I don't know how many transfers they're going to get. I'd say two to three. You'll know within the next week, and we'll yeah. update on you for that. Yeah, and we'll be sure to kind of put some stuff out on Twitter just to kind of give you guys an update in terms of when we will plan our next episode. Now, this isn't a complete season recap. This is more... It is. It has like a little bit of an essence to that, right? Yep. But um, it's more of just like the tournament. Um, but we're waiting to like do a full season thing until we kind of get word about um, guys who leave in terms of entering the transfer portal. Um, I, I don't know how – it probably will take a bit in terms of when Iowa State gets guys to come. And we'll be sure – we'll probably have once like – you know, once Iowa State gets two or three guys, and yeah, we'll probably do a basketball episode kind of talking about those guys. Um, but for the most part, um, we're going to wait probably, I think our, we're hoping by the final four right before that, so we can kind of make predictions on that. Um, we're hoping we have most of the news, and I'd be kind of su- surprised if we didn't have all the news by then. Um, it's definitely different for football. You know, for football, we waited for the firings that everybody was waiting on. So we once once that was done, we knew we were good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just – we're kind of waiting on Trey, Burton, Hassan, and maybe Eli, and possibly Demarion. You never know. Really hope we get Demarion back. Um, but just kind of those five, once we kind of get word on that, we'll give you a full in-depth season review, and we'll kind of dive into potentially some guys that Iowa State – are looking at right now in terms of I mean they're already reaching out to some some of those shooting guards that Iowa State needs so um, yeah I think that's pretty much it you got anything else before we close it off uh, one good thing about this transfer portal era is college basketball season is pretty much 365 days a year because you never know if you're going to get a sit out guy like Trey I mean he happened late 
last year, actually. I think that was a November transfer, so you really never know. And then, obviously, April is kind of the hotbed of all the transfers, typical transfers that you get. And it's kind of fun seeing their top 55 list trim down to top three, yeah. seeing if you're on that. And uh, I don't know. It's I think it's a fun time. It's literally just free agency right now. Yeah, You lose five guys a year, and then you get five or six more, plus all the freshmen. It'll be interesting to see how it goes out, and I think next year's team is probably the most talented he's had, mm-hmm. just going based on rankings, which don't mean everything. But I don't know. It's I, The future is still very bright. It's kind of – it's a different spot than football was in as you had to make changes. Otherwise, you're looking at kind of a decrease. It's a different situation. We're still on the upturn here with TJ. It's only his second year and he's already overachieved. And, you know, that being said, I'll start my countdown right now, 237 days until basketball season. Well, I can tell you um, I'm counting down more to the one in Jack Trice. Spring game is coming around the corner. Is that the 18th? I think it's like 20-something. 22nd. Something like that. There we go. That'll be fun. Um, Okay, I did have one thing if we wanted to potentially end it on. I'll I'll ask you if you want to do this for now or a different day. Do we want to cover the Rodney Terry talk today? Let's do that. And I don't have a ton to say on this. I just think he's kind soft. of full on himself right now. I think he's Charmin Ultra Strong Soft. Um, so if anyone didn't see this, you can definitely um, – I went and quote tweeted it and made a little thread on my thoughts on it. So if you want to follow us on Twitter or if you – maybe not, I would appreciate the follow. We, we would appreciate it. Um, but if you just want to see, if you want to find the clip, easy access, go on our Twitter outside of the storm and you can find the clip. But basically, um, Rodney Terry was asked about his thoughts on Tyrese Hunter's treatment in terms of opposing fan bases. And um, it's basically because he's heard one guy being booed at three different locations. Tyrese has been booed in Ames, Tyrese has been booed in Kansas City. And Tyrese has been booed in Des Moines. When we're not even at the game. No. It was awesome, by the way. Yeah. Um, but basically, some report. I don't. I don't. In the the clip that we have online that I've seen, uh, the 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 one that's out there. Not sure what the question was, but basically Rodney Terry was again provoked on his thoughts on how Tyrese is being treated. He just kind of went on to say it's not fair to Tyrese and just players in general for this treatment to be happening. Fans need to stop whining and adapt and adjust to the new era of college basketball. It's a new landscape, and whether you like it or not, you have to deal with it. And he also said how if this is something that happened at Texas um, in in their arena, he would stop the game and shut down this stuff because that does not happen in his building. So let's go back and see where everything is wrong in what he said number I'll, one i'll give you the quote first okay so we're not just paraphrasing here All right. i don't know what the question was no yeah that's... and i will say this he seemed kind of caught off guard by it because it wasn't anything involving iowa state or that situation it would have been different if it was after the tuesday night in january yes but here's the quote that's not right that's not fair if we had it happen on our building, I would stop and say, hey, you can't do that. First of all, that's the first issue. No, you would not. You would not stop the game. You Okay, yeah. One, you would not stop the game. Two, it happened in your building, and you had no problem with it, clearly. Right. Because you had a guy, Caleb Grill, who was injured, did not play on the end of the bench, 
And as we listened to John and Eric, the entire game we could hear Texas students yelling personal stuff at Caleb Grill. Now, whether or not he deserved it, that's a different story. But you could argue both ways. Yes, but nonetheless, he it still happened in his building, and he's and, he, and he's here saying this. Yeah. So that's that's one of the first things. Number two, it's really easy to tell fans to adjust. You know, specifically Iowa State fans to adjust the new landscape of college basketball when you in Texas can throw six to seven figures at players and get whoever you want. You know, the whole thing with Tyrese is, and I said this on the tweet that I put out regarding the whole statement with Rodney Terry, was, like, there's probably some Iowa State fans that were just bitter that he left for money, period. But if you know his story and how he grew up, he, like, like I wanted him to go get the money because his wait. family needs it. And I don't, I'm not going to go on here and tell you what happened. If you don't know what happened, go look it up. But, you know, his family grew up with nothing because of something that happened. And so, you know, he needed the money for his family. So I have no problem with that. Go get your money, Tyrese. That's fine. The problem is you walked out with your middle finger to us and you went to Texas of all teams because you choose to come back to Hilton Coliseum knowing the treatment you're going to get. Like, if he, I mean, he had, like, a Gonzaga on his list or, like, a Louisville, even that would have been really bad. I think Purdue. Like, granted, he also had Kansas. But you go anywhere else outside of the Big 12, there's not a problem. Do you, God, I wish he went to Louisville. That would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. What they go, 2-27? and 27? Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, did you do you see Iowa State fans giving a bad treatment to Tristan and Aruna, Jaden Walker, and Trey Jackson? No, right? That I mean, that's the difference, and it's not completely Texas. Like, it, I think it hurts more that it was Texas because he signed up to come back to Hilton in different colors. Um, but it was the it was the treatment that he gave to Iowa State the the fan base on his way out. And the other thing that's not a part of that quote, and this is more paraphrasing. We don't have the exact quote, but Terry talked about how he is humble and he hasn't retaliated about this. That is so false. As we all know, he has been putting out stuff on social media since the summer, and I think the first thing was there was some clip, and it was a couple guys at like a random park playing basketball, and someone asked the guys what game they're looking forward to, and Gabe's like Texas. I don't got to say why, but Texas. And Tyrese's response to that, I who wants like I'll take all the smoke or something along those lines, and that that was like the first thing, but it was it was more stuff along the way, and. You know, I think the big one, the, you know, the night that it's released of Terry, his press thing, Tyrese goes on Instagram, and there's a picture of Blake Hinson celebrating as he, I think it was right after they stamped their name on the bracket, and he's all excited, and he reposted it, tagging Blake, Blake Hinson, doing like four or five of the salute emojis to Hinson. So everything you said as to why it was... Like, bad for Iowa State fans to do it is just crazy to me. And fans are gonna be fans. That that's not changing. Like this is this is what a fan is. And I just it was super soft. And I think he's, I think he's soft. Um, but I just thought that was lame. 
when you're talking about the fan aspect of things, they're not amateur athletes anymore, especially at Texas. No. They're making again, plenty of money now. Again, like I said, you you're, can't tell the fan base to adapt, especially Iowa State in particular. We're not throwing six, seven figures at people no. like, like you guys. I mean, you, if you want to say that, please tell us how much money you, 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 you got Tyrese to go play at Texas. And, like, for Tyrese, again, glad he got his money. But in terms of making more money down the road, he didn't help himself at Texas. He had a draft stock here at Iowa State. They, he lost all of that. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was uh, the freshman of the year and can't even sniff honorable mention, Big 12 team. So, I mean, he was, he was more or less the sixth man. He was maybe a starting guy, but Serger Briar Rice was, was way more important to that team than Tyrese is. He was a starter. He never finished the game. He just stood in the corner, let Marcus Carr do his thing, which is fine. Yeah. And okay, when you're looking at Texas and Iowa State, I, Texas is a NBA team. Iowa State's a G League team. Texas goes and gets transfers, the high-level guys from Power Fives. We go get St. Bonaventure and VCU guys. Yeah. That's just kind of how it is. We have a li- limited budget here. Hopefully that changes. It probably won't. Your Texas, where Iowa State, that's probably not going to change in the near, f- near future. No. Also, <laughs> it's one thing for Chris Beard to be saying these things. It's Rodney Terry. You are literally born on third base. You've got all of Chris Beard's recruits, and now you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> you did nothing. No. You have a bunch of five stars on your roster. The players give you no credit. They all just say it's player-led. Yeah. So it was ironic coming from him, to say the least, and that's the last thing I have on that. Yeah. So, thought, I mean, no reason to push that more down the line. So got that all off and out of the way. Um, but, yeah, I think that's officially all we got. So, um, again, follow us on Twitter. Uh, if you want to see that full conversation or that, that whole thing of Rodney Terra and you haven't seen it yet, you can find it easily on our Twitter. I think it's probably the last thing we posted. I guess the time this is out, there'll be a tweet about this podcast being available. But after that, I think it was the last thing that I tweeted out. Um, actually, no, I think I said March sucks. I, I don't know. Maybe I, regardless. <laughs> Accurate. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said, go check out uh, the Twitter. You can you can go look us up at Side of the Storm or it'll be in the description down below along with me and Brandon's personal Twitters. Um, if you don't want to hear about the Chargers, then probably don't follow me. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, I will again send it to Brandon to the, give him the floor one more time for any last thoughts he has. Yeah, I'm glad we played the Friday game so you could at least enjoy it Thursday. to its yeah. full potential on sure. Thursday and see Furman and Farley Dickinson beat up on teams that they shouldn't. Princeton. Princeton. Yeah, I love my smart kids. Yes. Yeah, that was... It, there wasn't that many upsets this year, but of course, was... all my upsets picks did not pan out. So I lost like everything. I'm, my can't my national champions gone. I have a Final Four team gone. I have multiple Sweet Sixteen teams gone. An Elite Eight team gone. It, it's just I've won the last two years in my brackets, and it's not going to good. We this flipped year. this year. I love doing these bracket challenges. Just to see how you stack up against things. So I have two reference brackets that I take no credit for. I just literally went straight chalk on one, which, by the way, is in the 95th percentile. So that tells you about how many upsets there are this year. Three. Yeah. Um, the blue, I think we talked about this, the shades of blue thing did not work at all. Ninth percentile. <laughs> so I'm never doing that. Um, I'm doing all right. We kind of flipped this year. Yeah. Usually I'm bad. but This year was a really bad year for me. Yeah. Anyways. I think that's all I got. I'm 
I mean, Drake lost to they're kind of my second team this year since Michigan. Couldn't they had anything. it. They did. I don't know. I I didn't even expect them to be in that game, quite honestly, and got back and they were up five and slowly blew that. So that was fun. And the Big Twelve overall did not do very good. They only have two teams, Sweet Sixteen. Granted, that's not terrible I'm, considering I'm seven. Count Gonzaga and Houston. Uh, I guess. I'm not counting Texas. <laughs> okay, so three. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, but. I think we will end it here, you guys. So appreciate you guys listening. Um, if you do care enough to give us a rating or review and review, we would appreciate that. Um, but it is 1130. We have class tomorrow, unfortunately. <laughs> so hope you guys all have a good week. Hopefully this is my good start to your week. I know it's kind of negative stuff, but hopefully we did get enough job kind of outlining some positive stuff. And as we said, we'll be back here in probably two-ish mm, weeks. Yeah, around two-ish weeks' time. We'll try to get it out probably uh, right before the Final Four, and hopefully we have better answers in terms of the program um, uh, for Iowa State. So that's when we'll aim to be back. Uh, we'll be sure to let you guys know. Um, until then, you guys, uh, roll clones, baby.